What's up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I am the host of the Budget Track Podcast. For the month of January, we are posting an episode every single day at 6 a.m. Central Time. If you haven't already, head over to Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button, and review and rate the Budget Track Podcast. That would be very much appreciated. And before we dive in, I want to talk about our sponsor. Social X is a community of entrepreneurs working together to make a positive impact on the world, scale their businesses, make more money, and build their networks with like-minded individuals. They teach entrepreneurs how to go from zero to six figures through weekly mastermind calls featuring top business leaders, online courses, and amazing events all over the country. If you're interested in learning more about SocialX, go to socialxevents.com and tell them you came from the Budget Trek podcast. Now, on to the show. Here with a very special guest. He is a CEO at Business Growth for Entrepreneurs, and he has built and sold a seven-figure business in 18 months, Mr. John Whiting. John, what's up, man? What's up, baby? Glad to be here. Glad you're here, man. Thanks for coming on. So I'm not sure how familiar you are with my story. I kind of gave you a little breakdown before, but this is a personal finance podcast. It started with me and my wife's journey to getting out of $50,000 in debt, and I wanted to document that journey and educate along that journey through my struggles, my successes. But I also wanted to fit in the interview component because everyone has their own unique journey with finances, their own unique journey with entrepreneurship. And you are the perfect candidate for this because you're constantly striving to be a better version of yourself each and every day. You can tell by social media. But before we get into that and your story and how that fits with the message of this podcast, I always ask this first question, what is the dumbest thing you've ever spent money on? Ooh. That's a good one. You should have, I, I have a list probably. I started selling Cutco kitchen knives as my first sales gig. Mm-hmm. And I started crushing it. I was 18. So like right out of high school, I got this job and I like was pretty good right out of the gate. Like actually really good right out of the gate. And I was like, within like a month, I was making like two, three, four grand a week selling knives. And I was like, this is awesome. I've never had money in my entire life before. So I, of course, got rims for my Scion TC that was like, I don't know, maybe four grand or whatever with rims and tires (laughs) or something. So was that the dumbest ever? Probably not. But looking back, like that's the first thing that came into mind of like, what probably shouldn't I have done with that money at the time? Because like all the money I made during that, like I just... I did a lot. That was the dumbest financial literacy period of my life. But that was the first thing that I was like getting rims, you know? So (laughs) I would say that's probably up there. I might get another one that sneaks up and bites me during the podcast and, and I'll probably yell it out, but yeah, rims for the scion right out of the gate was stupid. So it's, it's interesting because Grant Cardone has this thing where all these entrepreneurs, they're increasing their income, but they're also increasing their lifestyle. Yeah. It's kind of like what you did. You never had money before you started making it. Well, let's spend it. Yeah. And I think there's a level of discomfort with like having that much money in your bank account because you're used to it being low and you're like, I don't like this having this much money just sitting here. I've got to spend it on something. Yeah. So it, there's a sure. psychological aspect to it for sure. But I want to dive more into your story because your story is very interesting and everything I discussed beforehand. So being the CEO, building and selling businesses, there's more to you than just that. Those are very high level facts about you. So give a 30,000 foot view into who John Whiting actually is. 
I'm a guy who likes to help and thrives on getting getting further along and getting closer to the ever <clears throat> excuse me ever elusive goal, whatever that is. So I'm the guy who would much rather instead of going to a party and like dancing, not to admit I'll have a couple drinks, but I'd rather sit down and have a really cool, intellectual, helpful, move the needle type of a conversation with somebody at that party than I would just letting loose and doing nothing meaningful. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but any, everything that I do is basically geared towards, okay, how can I improve this situation for either myself or this person that, or people that I'm interacting or both? So I kind of express that through business and um, sometimes that rubs the people, rubs people the wrong way in the wrong, you know, in circles where people aren't thinking that way. But yeah, I'm, I'm a guy who does my best to help and add as much value as I possibly can. Yeah. I mean, it's who you are. And like you said, there's nothing wrong with going out, having a good time, but of course there is a point to where you overdo it and your progress towards reaching that end goal in any entrepreneurial journey is kind of extended. But yeah. what you're saying makes a lot of sense because I found, I went to college, I went to a four year college and being around those types of people is great when you don't care about your future. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah, but when you want to actually move the needle and progress day after day, you've got to have those meaningful conversations and you've got to make sacrifices. Do I like drinking? Absolutely. But is it something I'm going to do every single weekend? No, because it's not going to actually help me. So right. starting with all of this, let's, let's go back to step one because we know as an entrepreneur, you don't start out with success with the knives. Maybe. Yeah. But with what you're doing now, you probably started at ground zero and you had to build it to where you are today. So while you're doing that, since this podcast is about personal finance, how did you manage your own personal finances from that step to now? And how did that propel you? Mm. Good question. So, um, my, so I've never technically been employed. So I've always like been the contract. I sales is kind of all I ever knew until I actually understood like the business side of things, but I was always like the contract sales guy for everything from like janit large ticket janitorial and maintenance services to selling solar and home improvements to all the way for, I did toiled in the uh, MLM for like three or four years and realized that that was disgusting, even though I did quite well. Um, and so I've always just been the kind of the contract guy, but I never had much financial education. And so a couple of years ago, um, actually going back to what it's 2019, almost 2020 in the summer of 2017, I really decided that, and I, I reread like rich dad, poor dad and cash flow quadrant and those books. And I was kind of at a, in, in between projects, so to speak type of a phase. And I, and he's like financial literacy, financial literacy. And I'm like, well, I've gone this far screwing it up and like, I don't, I'm not where I want to be. Although I had made some money, like I didn't have much. Right. So I was like, all right, I'm going to get my financial IQ game on and really master this because I'm sick of like, somehow I don't have money. And even though I'm making money. And so what I did is uh, the rich dad from rich dad, poor dad, his name is uh, Keith Cunningham. Don't know if you know that. Um, so 
Keith is, was Kiyosaki's mentor and Kiyosaki took much of pretty much everything Keith teaches and put it into these books. They're not at the, on the best terms because of that. But regardless, Keith, I had seen speak at a Tony Robbins business event and he took accounting and made it to where any idiot could understand it. And I was like, well, I'm reading the Kiyosaki book. He's making sense. I want to like dive deeper. So I enrolled in Keith Cunningham's four-day MBA, flew out to Austin, Texas, attended it, and thus began my like relentless, I'm very militant about my finances now. Um, and I track everything every day. Um, and I've now been doing that for the last two and a half years. And ironically, the last two and a half years, when you can measure something, you know if it's getting better or worse. And for me, for the longest time, it was, I didn't know. I mean, I kind of knew it sucked, but I didn't know like exactly where things were. And so I just started tracking, you know, making sure that I had my automatic transfers set up from my business account to, well, first of all, I had to set up my accounts properly. And um, automatic transfers, just basic stuff set up from the business to the personal, from my personal to my brokerage instead of savings, which I use as my savings. And then I just have auto, um, auto purchases of index funds. During that, you know, you, you pursue something and you pull in additional teachers and help who kind of help you towards the next phase when you're ready for it. Um, a, who, a guy who's now become a friend of mine, um, Lewis Mocker. I don't know if you heard of Lewis. I haven't. Um, so definitely, if you're here, follow Lewis. He's a friend. He's a mentor. I've learned a lot from him. He's taken the personal finance game to a way that, like, a new level that I feel like I, it's just the first time I heard it that I could understand it. And, like, all of that type of stuff, I'm just like, well, in, like, no matter what, I'm going to use my, as Kiyosaki would say, your financial genius to increase my income and sell more instead of dipping into what I'm transferring out to, as Cardone would say, keeping myself broke. Right. And um, I've just been doing that religiously um, for two and a half years now and tracking everything every day. I know what goes in, I know what goes out, and I make sure that more comes in than goes out, you know, basic stuff. But that's, that's really helped because in business as well, you have to know your numbers. That's the whole game. And everybody that I coach or is in one of my programs, like nobody knows their numbers. And so uh, it's just, it's becoming more and more obvious that that's the game is just, if you see on paper that you're losing X amount, cool. You just now know like when you're winning again by tracking it and, you know, pulling some levers, meaning like making more income or cutting your expenses. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of oh. like my journey of why, you know, how that's played into my at least last two and a half years of entrepreneurship. It, uh, it definitely answers my question. And it's interesting you brought up the entrepreneurs not knowing their numbers. So in Tillman Fertitta's most recent book, Shut Up and Listen, he talks about that. And he says, you got to know your numbers. And he does a TV show billion dollar buyer, I believe. Okay. It's kind of like a shark tank, but it's pretty much just Tillman Fertitta going and buying businesses. And when an entrepreneur doesn't know their numbers, he's instantly uninterested. Yeah. Because they don't seem invested in the business themselves. Yeah. They're worried about making money, but if you don't know how much money you're making, what's the point, right? 
and, and being in your experience, being a seasoned entrepreneur and you said you're militant, I've never heard that word before. You're militant with your finances. How important is it that entrepreneurs that are starting today, you know, the 18 year olds, the 20 year olds, how important is it that they understand their numbers from day one, both business wise and personal wise? It's the whole game. It's like, so how important is it when playing an NFL football game to know what quarter it is, how much time's left, what the score is, how many timeouts you have left, what down it is, how many yards you have left to go to the end zone? How do you know what play to call if you don't know those numbers? I don't know. What quarter is it? I don't know. Where are we out on the field? I don't know. What's the score? I don't know. Well, what place should we call coach? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Right? Yeah. So you have to know that. You know, I have another business where we kind of do some consulting for the personal and business finance sides and even personal side, people who don't know their bills, that bugs me so much. Yeah. And I understand everyone has to start somewhere. I get it. But you, I mean, you should know your personal finances better than your business finances. Your personal finances are you. Yeah. So if you don't know that, how do you ever expect to understand your business finances? That's exactly. just the way I take it. Yeah. Going through this, what has been the one piece of advice or, or the one action plan you've used throughout the years that you're saying like, this is the key to me being absolutely militant with my personal finances? For me, what kind of started to change the game is using, I use Mint by okay. Intuit to track my finances. And so I didn't know how much was going in and going out. And I just started tracking it. I like every day and I still do this to every single day for the last two and a half years without missing a day or a weekend or anything. Literally every morning for 10 minutes, I go in previous day's transactions, both in and out from every account. I go in and tag it as to what category it was, whether it was a business, which business, so that by the end, like I can go and generate reports based on that and see all my business finances. I can pull out my personal, pull out business only, pull out my fiancés and track all of that and know where we're at as a, as a unit or just me personally or just her personally. And I just go every day and tag transactions as to what, is it a base expense? Meaning like my base monthly expense so I can see on average are my base expenses going up or down and what are they on average so I can predict how much money I have left in terms of time to buy forward and how many months or years of, of money do I have left because if you don't know what your base expenses are or they're going like this every month or they're going trending upward, whatever you have in the bank that's liquid assets, meaning stuff you could sell like right now to pay for your lunch tomorrow or your rent or whatever, you know, that number is basically buys you X amount of time forward. So if you have $36,000 in the bank and your monthly expenses are $3,000, you have 12 months. And uh, my friend Lewis, he teaches basically when once your passive income exceeds your monthly expenses, he calls that infinite prosperity, which is a, uh, he has got this whole formula. It's freaking genius. Um, and he has basically how to do that. I've learned from him, learned from Keith, learned from Robert Kiyosaki, and I just track my stuff and make sure I don't do anything ridiculously stupid and know where, you know, know where I am on the field and what quarter it is. Yeah. So I know what decisions to make. Yeah, I, I think it comes down to being self-aware of what's yeah. going on in your financial life. But I, you know, I wrote a word down here too, is organization. And too many entrepreneurs and people in general just are not organized. And I'm a very organized person. I would classify yep. myself as maybe OCD, but I just don't see how any other way works. 
Well, no, there is no other way that works. Exactly. So, I mean, it's the hope and wish, but I mean, that's not predictable. So when you say works, I mean, you could have a windfall and like think you have all this money, but if you have no financial IQ, it's going to leave. So, I mean, exactly. depends on what your definition of works is, but if your definition of works is to have predictable, sustainable income and assets so that you can buy yourself more time than you're going to be alive in this body in this lifetime. That's what I'm trying to do is make sure that I have just wealth that goes on that's universal, unlimited, goes on for generations and generations and just keeps generating cash is basically my goal. So, I mean, it depends on what your goal of what your definition of works is. So, <laughs> Essentially what you said, being yeah. with your income. But I, I like that. I like how organized you are. And you brought up fiance. Yeah. So I'm married. I just got married back in May. And Congratulations. Thank you. But that's also a different topic of personal finance. It's no longer just your personal finances anymore. Yeah. Y'all's personal finances. Yeah. And that's something I had to learn too. Yeah. And me and my wife, we combined our finances before we were married. I condone it. I think it's it's better to get on track beforehand. Yeah. Rather than getting married and being like, oh, shit, you spend money on all this. I had no clue. Have you all talked about that? And if so. Oh, yeah what is going to be the strategy when you guys actually are married, assuming y'all don't already talk about it? Yeah. So, I mean, strategy is pretty simple. Like, so she, I, I do pretty well. And so I look at, so I look like, I look at everything like it's everything is my responsibility, including not just her livelihood or my dog laying back here, his livelihood or my livelihood, but just like, I'm trying to do my best to like, you know, make sure everybody is taken care of, which is why I, you know, do my best to teach everything that I do and whatever. And like, I feel like that's the best way I can have the biggest impact. So with her, she knows that she knows that like, that's not her jam, which is totally cool. But she also wants to like hold her own and not be completely doing nothing. She doesn't have to work, but she works because she like, wants to buy stuff for herself and doesn't like, I'm not going to give her an allowance. That's not how this goes. Right. And she is very like self-respecting. She's not just like, eh. like it's not, you know, it's not one of those arrangements. Um, so my earning power at the moment is greater and there's no like ego involved because she also in the relationship just, it's about exchange. As long as there's an even exchange, everything's cool. So like, I do my best to, you know, grow businesses and do my best to make as much money as I can and all of that. She affords me the opportunity to spend more time doing that. Like she has certain things that she does that I don't do in our lives and I delegate as much as I humanly possibly can to her to navigate so I don't have to, so I can focus on high income producing hours and activities in my day and that's all I want to do. And she also works as well. So like her exchange, she's definitely an exchange and like, but she doesn't have to do anything technically, but for her own livelihood and feeling good about herself, like there has to be an exchange in, in a relationship. And so for us, like we have joint financial goals and she's going to contribute. Like there's stuff that she wants to buy that I'm like, I don't want to buy that for you right now. Cause it's like not my thing, but if you want to go, like we started her uh, and she's, started a six months ago professional organizing business and we like she has 
um, every day now she's got a thing she's going to getting paid 50 bucks an hour to organize like garages and pantries and all that stuff in people's homes. So obviously with my help, but like, you know, with getting leads and marketing and selling and how to, you know, structure stuff. But, you know, she's definitely holding her own, but we definitely have, you know, joint financial goals. We know where we want to go. All of her bank accounts and everything is synced with my Mint account. I see the whole picture. I tag her transactions as hers. I have her income, you know, tagged. And we have, you know, you can break it down. Her personal net, my personal net, our joint pers- our joint net. So that we know where we're at as a unit. And, uh, but she's invaluable. Like I, I would have to probably hire just a full-time live-in assistant to be able to do what I do on a daily basis than not have to do like the admin normal people stuff. Like I don't, I can't remember the last time I grocery shopped. I don't, you know, like I don't do that. Right. So, and that's just kind of the arrangement that we have that she right. does. She feels good about it. And I'm like, you're, you're, that's a high income activity for you because you get to benefit from my income because I'm the guy like while you're doing that, it allows me to go make a thousand dollars an hour. So cool. You get to benefit from that. Cause when we go places and trips and stuff, I pay for it. And like, so that's, while it's not a job, she indirectly is earning a high income just by allowing me to earn a higher income. You see? Right. So, and there's no ego there. So that's the thing that would get in rela- in the way of most relationships. She's mm-hmm. just super awesomely cool. And we don't have that. Um, we don't have any of that bull BS between us. Yeah. It's all about being on the same page. Is yeah. what I found. And if you're not on the same page initially, you've got to find a way to be for sure. And that's just marriage. I mean, you're never going to agree on everything a hundred percent and especially finances, but you know, it's crazy because I, I classify myself as very organized, but I would have to admit you're more organized than me. So hey, it's, it might seem that way on the surface. <laughs> just, just that one area. There's that one area I'm super organized in, but uh, she's that's the, that's the key area though, man. You've yeah. got to be organized there. And I, and I want to go back to something because you brought up financial goals. And I think that's huge in this space because goals is everything. If you don't have a goal, there's no real reason to keep you motivated to work, right? Right. One goal, you said financial, is financial success. In my opinion, I don't really ever think you reach your own version of financial success because as human beings, I believe when we start to get close to attaining that goal, we've already internally escalated that goal to another level. Yeah. So what does financial success mean to you now? And how do you predict that changing over time as your businesses progress? So I would say there's two aspects to that. One, I focus really freaking hard on being really predictable with my ability to generate new income. So that means I have to be mega valuable and I have to do a lot of things, meaning I have to know and be able to produce a result that most people can't. And that's what people pay more money for. And it has to be something that people want. So I under like that's principle one. If you can't generate income, like what are you, you're like, well, I don't know what you're going to do. Like, what are you going to manage? You can't manage $0, you know, right. it's tough to do that. 
So that's number one, my main focus, because even if something were to happen and let's say the entire financial system as we know it crashes, which could or could not happen, who knows? The US, the fiat currency goes to zero and everybody like loses their mind. The yeah, good yeah. news is in a scenario like that, the dude with the skills and the value will begin to attract whatever the currency becomes whether it's Bitcoin or we start trading rocks again, right? <laughs> so being able to understand how to attract an income is incredibly important and being more and more valuable over time. From there, it's essentially like I just look at it going, I want more money than I'm ever going to spend this lifetime and have it just keep churning for me. But I like, yeah, I set incremental goals. Like I know what my income goal is for January. I know what it is for December. I know what it is for 2020. I know what it is for 2021, 2020. And I project all of that out based on reasonable inputs and outputs of here's what are the expenses are, here's what the business expenses are. Here's if I could reasonably do this, here's what it's gonna look like in month eight. And you can just do that in Excel spreadsheet, mm -hmm. project it out eight months and you can go, that's actually reasonable. And now because it's on paper, now you can actually, like it's plausible. And now it becomes real, not just like, I wanna make $10 billion. Like that's not a goal, you know? <laughs> So, and just like, um, again, I'll use my friend Lewis, which if you guys aren't following him, I'll give you a shameless plug, Lewis, at Lewis Mocker. Just, he's a smart guy, friend of mine, helped me a lot with what I'm about to tell you. So I can't take credit for this. But one of the things that changed for me as well, he's like, if you want, if you have a goal of wanting a thing, like a car or a house or a yacht or whatever the hell your goal is, you have to price that out like actually know exactly which yacht you want and know exactly what the actual down to the cent costs are going to be annually, monthly. Because like while a plane might cost $5 million, do you know all of the other associated expenses? That's just the plane. That, right. doesn't, that doesn't mean like the $4,000 an hour operating expense, including the, co the pilot, co-pilot, the fuel, like all of that stuff, the maintenance, though, you got to have a hanger for it. That's going to be three grand a month. Like all of those added up that five, I only need $5 million to buy a jet. All of a sudden triples that expense and you go, whoa, I need to make a whole hell of a lot more money than I thought I did. And like you price out like, oh, I want a Lambo. Well, let's price it out. Know what the insurance is going to be. Have you gotten an insurance quote on the Lambo? Do you know if your credit score is anywhere near good enough? Do you have the borrowing history? Do you know the process at all on how to actually get there? Most people don't. Most people don't understand that you have to have a borrowing history. Even if you have a windfall and you have a million dollars come in, it's still going to be tough to get a line of credit for 150 grand to buy your Lambo. Right. It's still going to be tough if you have no borrowing history. So what do you got to do? You got to build up your personal credit. Like you got to know all that stuff as to actually even sniff actually achieving a goal. Like you got to know what it actually means. Not just, I'm going to throw it on a vision board and <laughs> I don't know I know they're expensive, but I'm going to make it happen. Like you have to get detail oriented about it and price that whole thing out and then understand that you still, that still should only be at most 50% of your monthly expenses 
and you should save the other 50%. So all those expenses, let's say they're 50 grand a month of your ideal awesome lifestyle. Cool, you need to net after taxes at least 100 to even have a shot at having those things if you wanna be smart about it. So that means before taxes, you need to be about $140,000 a month gross profit before taxes. So that means if you need to, if you're, if let's say the margin in your business is 50%, that means now your business has to be raking in 300 grand a month at a 50% profit margin, then you pay out the taxes, and now, and then you pay yourself the half of that, and then maybe you might be able to afford that cool lifestyle you want. But most people are like, oh, I'm making whatever a month, and it's like, dope, but you have no idea how little that actually is. Right. And even with that and going a step further with saying your business has to generate 300 grand a month. Okay. Well, what's your service? What's your product? How many of those do you actually have to sell? Right. Get to that. And then what's your customer acquisition cost? What's your, like, and you can reverse engineer all that, which is what I, I teach and focus on, like start with the end and the expenses, but most people don't even take the time to price out the yacht, like what, you know, or any, whatever they want. And, um, I just, I price that out and then work it all back and be like, Holy God, I got to sell a lot more than I thought. And so that adjusts, I have to adjust my strategy then. Yeah, absolutely. So John, what's, uh, what's the end goal? Um, I don't think there is one. I just want to keep playing the game and helping as many people progress and get better as I possibly can. And the only way to do that is by progressing and getting better myself at whatever I'm doing. And um, that's really what I enjoy doing. It's all like, I don't want to be like the end goal and then I quit and then I'm like done. I don't ever plan on being done. As soon as I'm done, I'm probably going to like drop dead. You know what I mean? Like I... You, your desk. you gotta have a purpose of what you're doing, but that purpose really, I look at it as just a, it's a big game mm. and a game requires a goal and an opposition, but that game never ends. So that goal needs to keep changing. And so does the opposition, which is a new way of saying new levels have new devils. Yeah. You're just always going to keep going to new levels because that's the game. It's a game that never ends and it's fun. So do something, play a game you like playing. And so somehow I've, most days I like playing this game. Um, but yeah, I, there is no, there is no end goal. I, I want to help as many people as I possibly can. Um, I have like a vague number of that, but at the end of the day, my micro like next five, 10 year goals, like I know it's going to change after that. So far that's worked for me is kind of like knowing, okay, what's the next five, 10 years all the way back to what's the next month following month six months and kind of chunking it down that way. But I I wouldn't say there's necessarily an end goal. With, you know, these things you have set for yourself and what you're doing, helping people scale these businesses, how important is it too that entrepreneurs when they are starting these businesses actually enjoy what they're doing and they're not just doing it for the money that they see can be made through it? I would say it's, Maybe not as important as some people stress. I That might be a surprising answer. I got, and I, you maybe saw this, and because it, it brings me back. So like I met, uh, I had the opportunity to meet uh, Tony Robbins a number of years ago. Um, I pulled off some miraculous meeting that I like set this really hard goal and I was going to meet him and pitch him this idea and whatever. But 
Um, and one of his nephew, his nephew is actually one of my best buddies. And, um, so I've had the opportunity to meet him on a few occasions. Um, and he gave me this piece of advice because I was in a place where I was like, I don't want to go and do something I'm not passionate about and just earn money. And he's very sternly, and there's a video, there's a video thing that he sent me. He said, look, you got to do what's necessary and be responsible in the financial area. It's not enough to just be passionate and excited about something. He said, I worked as a janitor and I didn't make anything as a janitor and I hated it. It wasn't my passion, but he's like, I decided that it was going to be a fuel, essentially, he didn't say this verbatim, but it was going to be a fuel for his future endeavors as to like, he couldn't have given me the advice that he gave me if he just decided he's only going to do what he really likes. So he, he ate dirt for a while and, um, and didn't really like it, but he said, I'm going to find a way to enjoy it and find a reason that this is going to get me to the next level. And so at the end of the day, like, yeah, ultimately you want to maneuver your way to do something that you really like doing. But where I made a mistake for the longest time is, and maybe it was a mistake, maybe it wasn't, but always be like the scoreboard. You need to be earning money more than you're paying out and right. be personally responsible for that. No matter what the hell you're doing. I don't care really, frankly, what you're doing. I honestly don't care if it's legal or not. If you don't get caught, fine, whatever point is you got to be resourceful. Right. And resourceful means being responsible and pulling in what you know you need to pull in and making sure that you earn more than you spend every single month and keep that going. And over time, those resources, as they build up, you're going to have more options. And those options then, when you've earned those options, sometimes you might earn the options by doing something you like, or you might earn them by being a janitor, right? So be as creative as you possibly can, but don't let the income slip because you're in pursuit of the only, the only, the thing that you really want to do. Right. It comes down to personal responsibility. And yep. just like we talked about before, self-awareness, I mean, being aware of this is how much my expenses are. What am I going to do to make more than that on a monthly yep. basis? And that's an interesting answer to that question because, you know, everyone preaches, be happy, love what you do be patient and all this stuff. And yes, to a degree, but I love your answer. And I've actually never heard about it. Of just eat dirt, eat shit for a little bit, do something you don't like if it means putting food on the table. Cause like you say, you can then maneuver your way into something that one makes more money and two, you actually enjoy doing it just yeah. takes time. Yeah. And I would say you like, look, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to be financially responsible. Nobody, right. there's no like, like you can go and not be financially responsible, but are you happy? Okay. Uh, for me, I'm much happier earning an income that I feel good about and proud of and knowing that I'm like of what all I've gone through. We didn't go into like my whole story and everything I've done, but I've done a lot of wild shit and I'm happy that I did all that because it makes me appreciate even more where I am today. But look, you don't have to do anything. That's just advice if you want to advance in life, which I recommend growing. It's really tough to grow on a financial planet without finances. Right. So I recommend it seems to be more advantageous for people to try and grow and get to the next level in their life 
So if you're going to do that on a planet that right now has money as a currency of value exchange, you better figure out how to get that currency or value exchange to some degree. Absolutely. 100%. Or don't, you know, or don't. Yeah, or don't. <laughs> I, agree with, I agree with that 100%. I mean, yes, everyone has a personal responsibility, but if they don't take that into consideration, it's up to them. Yeah. Right. So I kind of <laughs> want to talk about the wild shit you've done. Let's go back on that very briefly. And I mean, what's the story, man? I'll give you just some kind of highlights. The most notable maybe being I worked on a project, somehow finagled my way into um, a group that uh, a gentleman I had the opportunity to meet and work with has five Emmys for marketing and branding and 54 Emmy nominations. And I find myself in the same room as this guy and I'm like, well, I got mentor, got to attach myself to his hip. And um, so very, very impressive resume ended up going to work for him um, and ended up being a founding member of a company that I was one of the three partners and he was the other one and um, pretty big deal. I, uh, it involved a number of A-list celebrities, um, a lot of money raising and it was all, I'm all under NDA. I still have a ton of stock, but one of the, one of the things that had happened during that, and I guess this is probably, I'll just give you one wild thing because that paired with like knocking on personally sweating my ass off, knocking on like 50,000 doors in selling solar and roofing and shit door to door in Southern California for like a year. Um, that selling kitchen knives, doing network marketing and like I, I've lived in six different States following people that I've met that I've seen as successful and just attaching myself into their business in all of those scenarios, I've realized that I'm actually not to toot my own horn, but I realized that I was much more capable than I thought I was because I realized that everything they were doing was not how I would do it. And I made that mistake for a good solid seven years in a row of just like, oh, this guy knows more, this guy knows more, this guy knows more. Well, I realized after getting to the partnering with an Emmy Award winning guy, who is multi-millionaire and all that, I realized that while he's very, very talented, I realized that I was at least as capable, if not more so from my perspective on that project, than I had even thought, I was like, I'm going to learn from the master. And then I'm like executing like hell. And I'm like, this is how it's got to be done. And we, and just executing on it. We did a, a beta test of this thing and it was a, platform type of a deal and we got 35 million video views and 3000 subscribers in a 10 day beta test. Wow. And I did everything, literally everything because I'm the stick to it guy. And I, you know, I'm whatever everybody else is, doesn't know what they're doing. So I'll step in and do my best. Like I just Mr. Attitude of I'm going to help. And, um, so it got to the point to where I realized that nobody else from my perspective at the time, this may or may not be true, nobody else seemed to have any idea what the hell they were doing. And so I, I parted ways there, and but that was kind of the, that was a turning point for me in realizing that, wow, I've got to a really high level and realized that I at least equally performed or outperformed somebody who I 
and a number of people that I had put on this pedestal. And um, literally that was two and a half years ago. And since then I've made millions of dollars and just allowed myself to demonstrate what I had been suppressing to put somebody else being the guy who knows more. Um, but that project was wild. Moved to LA. I, I was the guy who pitched the thing to a lot of A-list celebrities along with a couple of the, but I was the guy doing the presentation, like people you would definitely know. Um, I can't talk a whole lot about it because NDA and if he ever listens to this, you might try and sue me. I don't know. Yeah. Um, just avoid it altogether. But, uh, <laughs> but either, either way I've lived in LA, I've lived in Huntington beach. I've lived in Portland, Oregon. I've lived in Arizona. I've lived in Florida, Illinois, and Michigan. I guess that's seven or six states, seven cities, just pursuing and following and just moving there, not knowing anybody, getting an apartment and just like, I'm going to make this work somehow. I'm just going to crank away. And so it's been, it's good. It's so it's been quite a journey. And I honestly feel like I'm like, I'm just getting going. Like I'm, I'm just finally figuring out how to do things. And um, so I'm excited for what's to come. I love it, man. I love it. And, And it's cool too, that you've learned so much along this journey and you're still applying it today. Oh yeah. So I th- I think that's key. And I, I just posted something on Instagram, but like how much of the, the journey is just a learning experience. That's all its purpose is. Yep. And how are you going to apply that down the road? And can you even remember what happened? But I think the key as an entrepreneur, if you really want to make it to that next level, you've got to, you've got yeah. to reapply what you learned. Take and, notes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, man, that's awesome. Let's go ahead and start wrapping up. I've been ending my episodes with a little speed round. So five questions that have nothing to do with the podcast at all, just to kind of lighten the mood. Cool. So you have five to 10 seconds to answer. No more, no less. Your first answer is your final answer. Okay. So question number one, would you rather be attacked by a pack of dogs or a pack of birds? Dogs. (laughs) <laughs> dog <that's crazy. laughs> would you rather live in a cave or a tree house tree house would you rather be able to control fire or water mm. water would you rather be invisible for a day or fly for a day uh, um probably invisible and this is the most difficult one <laughs> what is your most valuable asset yourself or your time oh uh, that's a, that's kind of a trick question I, I would say myself only because i use myself to spend my time there you so go I'll, I'll go with myself i love it i love it man but yeah we're gonna go wrap up completely thanks for coming on man where can my audience find you on social media um, so on Instagram, it's at whiting underscore John. Um, if you go to that, just click on the link in the bio and there's a whole bunch of free resources where you can get like sales scripts for free. You get a whole, I have free trainings, you get my YouTube channel there. Just that link in the bio of the Instagram, that's going to lead you to everything else. We have a whole community of about 5,000 entrepreneurs. It's free where I drop content. Um, actually streaming this in there right now for my inner circle people. And, um, yeah, so just go to Lincoln bio whiting underscore John on Instagram. Love it, man. Hit up John on Instagram. Tell me what you thought of the episode. 
Appreciate you coming on, man. Hey, thanks, brother. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. I'm posting episodes every day in January at 6 a.m. Central Time, and they're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other major podcasting platform. Check out our social media linked in the description and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll catch you next time.